Hey everybody, welcome to 20Q, 20 Questions with Interesting People, where we learn the origin stories of everyday superheroes in the LGBT community and friends. I am your host, the very handsome Tim Kirk, and our guest this time is raconteur, bon vivant, and man about town, Matt Erickson. Hi, Matt. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you doing today? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Um, Matt, I'm going to start in with the first question. A bit about your background. Where are you originally from and what was it like? I grew up in uh, Buffalo, New York, where snow was invented. So, uh, yeah, so I grew up in Buffalo. I lived there um, for the majority um, into about being 23. Uh, I grew up um, in a place called Depew, uh, which is a part of Buffalo, and uh, with my mom, my dad, my sister. Um, pretty much in a kind of kind of working class kind of home. You know, the check to check, you paid your bills. That was about you know, the extent of it. And uh, yeah, then I went to undergraduate school at the University of Buffalo, and then I did my master's at Purdue. And now I've been in New York uh, for 14 years. Wow. Uh, that sounds like, a, I know, I'd say about a dozen people from Buffalo. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And um, all gay men. Are you that's funny. <laughs> Isn't it? Um, and, uh, a number of them lived in the, the, my apartment before uh, we lived here. We, lived, we used to live in the apartment next door. And it was like a chain of guys. So uh, well, I knew a number of people from Buffalo. And it was interesting to see because they were all very different type of people. You, yeah. you know, everyone yeah, was I love it. I miss it. Um, but yeah, it's a very, it's an interesting city. It's a good mix of people. And, and what it usually boils down to is it's a kind of salt of the earth people. Um, just uh, across all different uh, types. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you a second question. I would like to ask, um, since you are from Buffalo and you've been here, you've been here for 14 years, mm -hmm. uh, what experience had the greatest impact on you? So I would say the biggest thing that really like jolted my life a little bit and made me look a little different. My mom passed away when I was 23 and uh, she was single at the time. It was um, it was it was a really kind of crazy upheaval to be 23. I was in graduate school when it happened, um, and it really changed for me how I look for the first time. It'll happen again. How I look at life a little differently, and also um, how I think now, as I look back on it, reasons that I think finance um, is so important. Because when she passed away. There was nothing. There was, she didn't know. There was no economic literacy. No one teaches financial literacy in this country. And, and when we looked at things, there was nothing in place. And so it was, you know, we just I wiped everything, lost everything. There was nothing really left. Um, and so that for me made me perk up a little bit, not even realizing I would end up going into finance, you know, uh, what is it, 15 years later. Um, but it really changed of, of how I look at life and how precious it, how precious it is. But it also made things very difficult, not having that person that's your person to turn to where we were like best friends. And so, um, so yeah, I would say that's probably the, one of the greatest impacts in my life. Um, and yeah, that was at 23, there'll be more, which I'm sure will come out, but, um, as we talk, but yeah, I'd say that was a big one. Yeah. I, I, uh, 
I lost my mom 10 years ago and my dad last year. So uh, oh, I'm sorry to hear it. It's a, it's, it's a weird club to belong to, but everyone kind of gets it and just kind of says, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's no getting around how awful it is. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I, I still, you know, wish I could talk to mom every day. You know? I know. Same here. I think of it all the time, especially Halloween. She used to go nuts on Halloween and Halloween is my favorite holiday. Um, and she would decorate all the outside and there would be like sound effects and all this insanity. Really? Yeah. And I love it. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think about her a lot right now. Yeah. We were, uh, my mom, my mom was from Dublin, Ireland. So we had a lot of oh, stuff. Wow. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. we're, we're very, very Irish in the house. Nice. <laughs> my, birthday, my brother's birthday is in March. So everything was, everything had green and shamrocks and, you know, oh, <laughs> People think I'm Irish a lot because I have red hair, um, but I'm actually Swedish. And so um, there's a whole other part of that <laughs> with their little Viking Fine. clothes. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, one of my guests, um, <laughs> a former guest, is, uh, is, is a, a, a gentleman by the name of Cedric Amoyal. Mm-hmm. He's Australian, but he's been living in Sweden for the past 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, I, lo- I visited uh, Stockholm with my partner last summer and uh, I loved it. It was an incredible city. It was just beautiful. Yeah, I loved it. He he said the whole approach to everything is different there, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it, he he adjusted the the weather and uh, the the light because it's so much higher. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. It's either very dark or very very light all the time. So he, he it's, it's it's still he's still adjusting. So that's interesting. Yeah, like the days change, like how long they are. Like yeah. sometimes you're like sleeping during the when it's all sunny out. And yeah, and it, it never gets light, you know, that type of thing. So yeah. very interesting uh, uh, juxtaposition for him. Mm-hmm. He's, <laughs> he's still adjusting. It's 10 years later. Yeah. So, and he's an entrepreneur. He actually um, uh, started a, a, uh, a line of T-shirts um, that uh, uh, reclaimed a lot of uh, uh, homophobic uh uh, statements and it's called Tushlers. Oh. He was a butt pirate, he had like a little butt, but that's what it, that's what his brand is, and he's been doing that for a while there, and he's enjoying that very much. And he's raising kids, so it's, it's interesting. So, but I figured I, Erickson, I figured it would be like Leaf Erickson, okay? So, um See, since you've had this experience now, you, you, you've been doing this for some time and uh, you have, um, I think you're specialized focused, mm-hmm. uh, a focus. Um, uh, what would you say to someone, uh, to anyone interested in an aspect of your experience? Meaning mm-hmm. if someone wanted to explore an idea or perspective opportunity based on what you could tell them, what would be the main thing to encourage or discourage them? I would say probably, especially as it relates to to my career and and my practice, um, the value of planning and planning early and figuring out how to structure your life as soon as possible, because the sooner you do it, the the better it is, the more robust it is, the, the easier it is also to get into habits. And I know for me, I didn't get into those habits um, until late. I mean, late-ish, you know, I'm only 38. It's not like I'm, you know knocking on the the door of retirement but you know i started late when i have a client that's you know earlier in their lives and being able to help them start uh it just makes life just take such a stress off of you like just money just affects every part of everyone's life it's such a personal 
personal thing to be looking at and, and being able to take some of that stress off um, is incredible. I also, I always, on the other side of it where I'm not talking necessarily about finance is if there is anything someone can learn from me in an aspect of their life is that there's no such thing as a hopeless cause, that there's no such thing as um, not being able to to work and fix your life. So a little bit of a background on me, one of the parts of my journey that got me here is um, I was a homeless person at one point and I moved from being on the street into a shelter from a shelter into public housing and public housing into a smaller apartment that I could actually handle on my own when I got a job. And then I built, you know, more and more business. I became, you know, successful. I now live down in the financial district and now I'm starting a financial practice. And so there are so many things about that where from the outside looking in, you would think I was a hopeless cause. And people told me that I was the hopeless cause, but that I refuse to have be the last chapter, and I and I know now that that drive is going to move into what I'm doing now to be able to help people and and work on their lives and get you know you know the life that they of their wildest dreams. And so so I would say those two bits, the value of planning, and also don't ever give up because it's, there's no such thing as a hopeless cause until you say you're a hopeless cause yourself. And so um, I think those two would be the biggest things if I was to give advice to somebody. Um, yeah, I think so. <clears throat> well, that's pretty, that's a pretty strong statement and that's uh, very impressive. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of knocked back a little bit by that, you know, coming from homelessness to where you are right now, it's a uh, yeah, it's crazy, it's, right? <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah. It just gives a different perspective, you know. I mean, there are really there are a lot of important things in life, and it's easy to get stuck in one or the other. And you know, this balance and finding it, it's um, I just have a different appreciation, I think, for for life and and it's precious. And there was a lot of times in there that I thought I wasn't even going to make it, you know, let alone get out of it, but um, yeah, life is fragile, but it can be also something that's incredible and it's really hard to do it, but any, everyone can do it. Well, uh, you know, um, is your story is, is something else so far. I, I'm one of those people who believes in, uh, consistency and, uh, uh, you know, uh, some people say predictable. I said, no, you can, you depend on consistency. Those, those are the things that make makes everything work in life. You have to be able yeah. to know that, trust that things. And, yeah, yes. just and, um, away at it. <clears throat> and uh, um, uh, there was an article in Ladder is one of the five pillars of being an adult or one of the five things. Uh, you, you can't say you're an adult unless you've had conversations about financial planning. Yeah, that's, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 you're right there. That's what I just read that. I think yesterday, the day before. So, uh, that's that's so that's funny, right, as we, right before we do this. <laughs> so, uh, based on uh, all that, uh, what, what would you say? And especially since you've come from homelessness to uh, where you are now, what would you say is your most noteworthy achievement? Um, I've been clean and sober for five years, and oh. so I think that. I mean, uh, those things all played into one another, and so I, I got. You know, when you get sober, you know, there's ups, there's downs, there's you, you fall, you get back up. Um, and I'm very, very proud of the fact that 
Um, I now have five years clean and sober. I have a sponsee. I have a sponsor. I have this connection now. Again, it's another connection to life. It's a connection to all the things around me and what's going on inside me. Because when you get sober, you really start to look at not necessarily why you had a problem, but more importantly, what made you go to that to begin with. And so working on myself a lot um, over the past five years and knowing that this is something that's consistently needing to be worked on for the rest of my life. Also, like you said, it's the same thing. It's, it's one day at a time. You're chipping away at things and you look up and suddenly this life has become so, so grand and so beautiful as, as you've just been kind of chipping away at it. And it's, it's hard to sometimes, I think, think of that when you're in the moment. It's so easy to get overwhelmed by the forest, but sometimes just taking a look at the trees will will help you just find exactly what you're looking for if you trust yourself. Yeah. So I'd say that, five years sober. Okay, well, that's that's pretty spectacular. I, um, I uh, spent a long time working in the restaurant business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a chef, and I did everything else in the business, too. I'm a culinary school graduate. I do all those things. And I don't know if you know anything about that, but, uh, you know, um, part of the uh, casualty of being in that industry is is an awful lot of, of uh, substance abuse. Yeah. And, and I, I've been around um, a, a lot of people who, um, you know, they don't realize that they're spiraling down while they're doing it. And uh, I, for several years uh, at a time, I would not drink at all. And... Uh, it was it was really something else for me to have so many people who were sober um, recognize that in me and think I was a friend of OW. Right. And I said, no, I'm not. I just I just I just don't you know don't particularly don't feel like drinking. And a lot of it was because I was seeing people around me, you know, being very self destructive. Yeah. And uh, I I said I said well I'm not going to do that to myself. And um, other people pick up on that. And you re- and you find that all these, all these people that you didn't even consider who actually are. Oh, I know it's crazy, yeah. and it's funny. Yeah. You'll use like a phrase from from like the program, and you'll see like three heads turn and go, Whoop! "Wait a minute, are you?" <laughs> it happens like everywhere, and I'm like, "Oh, look at it. it's like this little fellowship." And uh, yeah, I feel like the more and more communities that, that can get created in in life and and be acknowledged, and I think. A lot of things, especially like with sobriety, with the LGBTQ plus community, with um, communities that are founded in in something that there's a, a trauma or an overcoming of something that has brought people together, finding ways also to to be communicative about that and um, and be able to talk about the fact like, yes, I am sober. Yes, I am gay. And um, and with it, being able to be visible, be be there and that that's really one of the things I'm working on now is is how to do that. You know, I work in an industry that, um, you know, historically is it's a very white, straight, male dominated industry, which sure, fine, that's okay. There's there's no I'm not giving anything negative about it. But what's great about being able to be at the forefront of this change being able to bring to light and talk about things and change the narrative and make this um, industry reflect the world around us a little more. I mean, as we look at, um, you know, successful professional LGBTQ plus, these are, these people matter. These are people that, um, 
you know, I want to see economic empowerment for. Same thing. I have a lot of women that are clients and I, I hear stories about their relationship with finance and it's, it's really disheartening, but it's also great to be able to say, well, we're going to change that. You know, I'm not here to hit on you. I'm not here to talk down to you. That's not the point of this. I'm here to help you. And so, yeah, it's all coming. It's a communication that's getting things out um, and taking away shame because there's nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Based on all of this, uh, uh, the biggest personal challenge you have faced, personal injury, a seemingly overwhelming task, a personal or professional goal, a difficult situation you had to overcome. And then you, you just described one, but uh, what would you say? Yeah, uh, there's more. So, <laughs> okay. Um, and so the one of the other parts of that's really related to all the other the other things that we were just talking about is I was diagnosed with HIV. Um, it was probably, I want to say, eight years ago. Oh and so, you know, you spend your whole life as a gay man terrified that that's where your life is leading. And then every time, everything is so, um, that that thought in everything you're doing has been so ingrained in you and it begins to turn who you are into something shameful, into something that is um, something to keep secret, to not talk about, like all these things. And so when that happened, it destroyed me. And it was like, this is what was going to happen all the time. This is it. I'm, this is awful. I'm, I'm dirty. I'm ashamed of this. And, you know, it took a lot of time to be able and that's something I'm really working on now. As I as I was prepping to have this interview, I'm like, do I disclose that? Do I not disclose that? I'm, I, this is something related to work. But part of what I'm doing is, again, to bring that to the light, especially because uh, I'm so, so lucky to be living in an age where there is post-exposure prophylaxis and there is PrEP, the pre-exposure prophylaxis, and there's viral therapy, and there are, um, sorry. <laughs> a second. Yeah. You're sick life. They're like, that siren's like, say it, girl, tell everybody. I'm like, oh, that's, that's the universe being like, here it goes, let it out. <laughs> And with that, you know, as I was deciding whether or not to talk about it on here, one of the biggest things beyond, you know, bringing the LGBTQ plus community to the forefront with economic empowerment here. Uh, um, I So my firm is Northwestern Mutual Park Avenue, and I'm uh, the first openly gay man that's an advisor here. And it's been a fantastic but daunting experience. And one of the things that I really took on as a mantle when I got here is, okay, with HIV positive people, we are now seeing people undetectable. We're seeing CD4 counts in a place that's great. Um, we can't consider this for everyone to be a terminal illness if we can find a way to protect people in their financial planning um, by bringing in, in products that are related. I can't talk directly about products. I have like FINRA and, and compliance things, but um, you know, successful people. This is not something that's in the underground that's dirty and people don't talk about. This is everywhere. And people have now gotten to this point in life where now we are so lucky that we're surviving it, thriving, and our life expectancy is no longer what it used to be. And so how do we as finance catch up to the medical industry? And I'm really happy because I was able to bring some things here to Northwestern Park Ave, um, which again, I can't talk about, but, um, you know, successful professional people that I'm working with and myself, you know, I am the face of that. And if I'm going to be able to 
have this mantle where I'm trying to work and help um, that uh, in terms of wealth management, I have to be able to say as well publicly, I, I, it's a personal thing to talk about, I am as well. And sometimes having somebody across the table from you that's gay or has experienced that, it just I talk to people and they're like, I'm so much more comfortable because I can talk to you about anything. And that's the truth. They're like, you heard my story. There will be no judgment. <laughs> <laughs> there will be no judgment. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm being a, a few years older than you, uh, having um, lost a few and uh, dealing with uh, having known so, so very many people. Uh, I'm so lucky. I'm. I can't. Like I, I count. Like I'm so lucky. Just a matter of years difference, and it's, it's humbling. It's so humbling. Like, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, uh, when my husband and I first uh, met, we first were first together. We knew a load of people, and it turns out that uh, really unsung were uh, the guys who owned a number of bars because they were the only people that would hire anybody HIV positive. Right. And uh, everybody was shunned to the sides and the perimeters and the fringes. And these guys were given were be, given a dignified chance to work hard and be somebody. Yeah. And uh, they were respected and uh, they were able to make a living. Uh, otherwise, it it was it was extraordinarily difficult for so yeah. many people in those days. We were, we were shunned. Um, uh, I remember places that I work with. You know, you're you're the first out person, and everybody either tells you all their all their sins. They confess everything to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, they tell you, or they ask you all these these questions, and you go, "I can't believe you." But I mean, you have to be that person to, yeah. you, you know, you have to be that conduit to to be to give them a sense of reason, and and, and you're doing something that's extraordinary. I, I must say. Thank you, and it's it's funny because I've also there's the other side of it is I I work with um, people who are open to talking about it and saying, you know. Just so you know, this is what HIV is. This is what AIDS is. This is what's currently going on in medicine. There's still so much um, that people just don't know. And again, it's because it's so taboo to talk about it. And it's, you know, like I said, I was, I was like for the past two days, I'm like, oh my God, do I disclose? Do I talk about it? Do I not? And I'm like, just do it because you have to talk about it. You have to be able to show and explain and there's nothing wrong with needing something explained to you. I'd rather someone say, I don't understand. Would you talk to me? And that's, of course, instead of being afraid to ask, you know what I mean? And so about um, about just what that means, like medically, what is it? What's happening? No one talks about it. We don't see it on the news. Um, I was I was I had such an amazing. What, what was it? I feel like it was maybe holiday. I don't know. What, no, it was like the. I think it was the Super Bowl of Emmys. I don't know what it was, but I saw on TV, you know, how they have those um, medicine ads where it's like, you know, blah, 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 will make you happy. And, you know, they're jump, jumping around in the daisies. Yeah. Um, and HIV antiviral medicine was advertised on TV. And I was like, oh, my God. And yeah. it's like, come on, keep doing it. You know what I mean? And then, yeah, it's, it's such an incredible time. For the LGBTQ plus um, community, I if you had told me when I was a child or a kid or as I was realizing this, that we would one day have a gay couple and the gay man running for president. Uh, I mean, I don't have political views to share on here and stuff like that. But the very fact that that's even a thing is mind boggling. And I'm just like, I can't wait to see what the next, you know, 40, 50 years shows. I don't. It's crazy. It's incredible. I'm living at a really 
incredible time, and I'm very lucky for that. What would you say uh, is the, the turning point in your life? What, what changed the way you relate to others in the world? Um, I would say, like, the turning point in my life was um, I had this moment where it was when I was still homeless. I, there, I can't necessarily pinpoint the day, but I can pinpoint the moment where I sat down and there was some moment of clarity, which is common in sobriety, that I looked around and I said to myself, I'm like, oh my God, Matt, this can't be the last chapter of your life. Like, this isn't where this story ends. And so, but I said to myself, I'm like, I don't know what to do. Uh, and the, I think the turning point was I walked into a facility and at the front desk, I, the words that came out of my mouth were, I need help. And that is, I think, the hardest statement to make was the hardest statement for me. Um, and I think it, uh, it, it finds itself now in every part of my life of how do I ask for help? And in that moment, that's, of course, a very dramatic moment of needing to ask for help. But understanding that I don't got this by myself. I don't. And there's no reason why I have to. And I think a lot of what made me go down this spiral was my inability to, to ask for help and, and say that I needed it. And I think, you know, everyone thinks that you're strong if you don't ask for help. And I think it's the opposite. You're strong if you do, because it takes a lot of guts to ask. And, and then, you know, amazing things can happen. If I'm, if I'm any example to anybody, that's an amazing thing that can happen. And it just goes throughout my whole life. And now I'm in a profession where I help people. And so I can turn around and say, now let me help you. And so that's you know, just really on cool. a big level, you know, I mean, I do for a certain part, there is, you know, professionals and people who are wealth management and high end careers. But if I can balance that with other things, if I have one, I can do the other in terms of how I help. And so I can diversify how I work with my practice. And so that's the goal right now. I've been working hard towards. So, yeah, I'd say that. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and, and that's something to really um, uh, respect and admire. Um, so what drives you? Uh, what gets you up in the morning? Ugh, all of what we're talking about. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I think uh, I really love what I do. And I never thought this were, was, was where life was taking me. Like I started in the arts and then I went into, um, you know, I became a senior fundraiser for a not-for-profit of the arts. And then, you know, I was a pretty successful actor for a while. And I was a college professor teaching acting. I was in this completely different world. And um, then this happened where I lost everything and I, you know, had to handle, uh, you know, an addiction problem and all of that went away. And it, in some ways, it was a blessing because it wiped the slate clean. And then as an adult, instead of being 18 and deciding what you're going to be as you grow up, um, I got to have that, that conversation with myself again of like, okay, well, what, where are we going to build from? And it, it just turned out that as life began to build around me, I went into fundraising and then and I was working in um, like health and wellness. And, um, and then it led to this where I could almost look at the, what I do is working on the health and wellness of someone's 
life and their finances. And because what I do, I'm a comprehensive planner. So I do it across all the different buckets, you know, short, mid, long, all of it. And, um, and it's this bridge over someone's life and I get to spend that long-term relationship with them. Um, and I think getting out of bed, knowing that there is so much work for me to do and dig into, I really love it. And I never in a million years would have thought I would have been doing this at all. <laughs> like I was changing jobs and I put my little toggle on LinkedIn to open to recruiters. And so I was interviewing for all these like uh, account executive positions. And then somebody reached out to me. Um, his name is Andrew Regal. He's actually an incredible person. If it, That's how I got into this. He had remembered me from a year prior. And I, you know, I have a, I can't, you know, I have to be honest, like I'm terrible. I'm a horrible liar. And so when I'm in interviews, I, I disclose everything you talked about because they all ask this, right? What did you overcome in your life? And I'm like, well, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm going to tell you what's up. And um, a year later he had moved to this firm and remembered me and reached out and I'm like, oh, okay, fine. That's all right. And so I came in and I felt like I was home. Like it was just and everything. I went through eight interviews and to be, a part of the firm. Like I have my own um, practice under the umbrella of Northwestern Mutual Park Avenue, um, but it felt like home. And then I realized, oh my God, there's so much I can do now that it's going to take me a lifetime to build this. And that's so exciting um, and helping others. And so, yeah, I think I feel really driven and I can't, like, it's so funny to me. I'm like, really? Sometimes I just stop. And honestly, I stop. And this is the God's honest truth. I stop in my day and I go, I look around my apartment and I have a partner who we are looking at rings, gulp, to get, <laughs> about getting, you know, married in the future. And I, I open my refrigerator and it's filled with food. And like, I stop and I'm like, how the hell did we get here? And it's incredible. You know what I mean? It's incredible. I'm a very lucky person. I am. Um, I'm a very hardworking person. Don't get me wrong. Somebody called me a giggling pit bull the other day. <laughs> That's a good one. I never heard that. I might like this. This might stick. <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's a combination of both. And so, yeah, that's, I have a pretty incredible life that I'm really grateful for. I just became an uncle last year. Oh, really? So I'm a gunkle and, uh, yeah. I, I run around with t-shirts that say, but world's best gunkle and things like that. I'm a big nerd about it, but. I'm a nerd in general, which, uh, which you know, <laughs> I love that I embrace that. So, um, <laughs> going into a different area, uh, hobbies, avocations, pastimes. Oh, fine. So I, it's interesting. I'm kind of uh, I'm a Libra, so there's always like two opposites of me. And so my favorite uh, thing to do, which I I laxed on a little bit, but I need to get back into. I love kickboxing and I love working out and um I love kickboxing. It's so much fun. And then the other side of it is I absolutely love baking. <laughs> really? And so I baking is is one of the things I it just it calms me down. It's methodical and I'm actually randomly really good at it. And so um I love that. And I also love plants. I have a ton of plants in my apartment and things like that. And so I joke around um, that I can uh, beat somebody up and then bake them a cake after <laughs> to apologize. Um, so just a kidding around. But yeah, um, I'd say, yeah, working out, kickboxing, I love baking and I love plants. It's like the go, go, go of what I do. I get when I start doing it, it is, it's so zen. Like it's just, and then these random ingredients suddenly become this amazing thing when you fiddle with them. It's interesting. Like I always look at the, the like pile of all the things I'm going to use to make this thing. And then like that became that, which like 
It's insane. <laughs> yes, uh, I absolutely understand that. Um, so I've had I've asked a number of people this question. I've gotten surprising answers. Uh, who do you read? Um, so I'm I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to on the both sides of it. So I love um, right now I'm reading like this nerdy, like wizardy kind of series called, it's the Nate Temple series. And Shane Silver is the author of it. And it's magic. It's, you know, fighting dragons and things like that. It's a nice kind of way to escape into something that's a little on like the fantasy side. I love um, Neil Gaiman who wrote American Gods and Norse mythology and Anansi Boys. Um, uh, I love things about you know, Vikings and all that stuff, because i that's my heritage. I, I come from the Viking world. And then Malcolm Gladwell, I think, has had a lot of influence also, you know, back when Outliers and Blink and Tipping Point came out. Um, I love those three. I love Blink because human behavior has always really fascinated me and being able to look at the things that we do physically as well as how they relate to how we are emotionally and our thinking. And Outliers, I think, is... One that I reread recently, and as I'm rereading, I think we're going to have a lot of outliers now because so much of the norm is changing. And so being someone that's been living up to that point, I really do think outliers are going to start coming out in the next years. We're going to see people that are making huge differences. And a lot of that's dependent on time. Like I said, I'm very lucky to be at the time in history that I am. 10 years earlier, I might not be here. And 10 years later, I would have missed the ability to change that narrative. And so I love outliers and tipping points just fascinating in terms of how, you know, people begin to make things trends and all that. Um, but right now I'm, I'm escaping into a little nerddom right now. <laughs> I'm reading the, the wizard stuff when I go home and before bed. Um, I was very proud of myself a few weeks ago. Uh, Neil Gaiman responded to a question uh, that I, Posted to him on, <laughs> so I was so sort of stripping around like Neil Gaiman. Nice. <laughs> well, what's the question? Um, he said he was English, and if somebody asked him about tea, I said, "Why is it that you uh, refer to yourself as English when most people I know who are British uh, or from England call themselves Brits? That people from London call themselves right. Brits." He, he goes, uh, and, he, and he responded, I, "I usually call myself a Brit." But when it comes to tea, I'm very English. <laughs> oh, like English breakfast tea. <laughs> just, 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 just English. It's a very English thing to do. Is drink How tea. interesting! I didn't know. So, that so, so I was, I was, I was proud of that. And then um, my husband was, um, he was somewhere recently. Uh, I forget where he was in Midtown, I guess. And he walked past Malcolm Gladwell and somebody else who was equally famous. I think it was Fred Armisen. I think. Nice. <laughs> Those are two great people to walk past. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I love um, like TV, like Netflix and Hulu and all these. Other, not, I'm not dropping names. I don't know if I'm allowed to do that, actually. Um, I, I love, love TV and different shows. And my partner and I are definitely like Netflix and chill people all the time. And I'm always watching. I love it. Uh, so that's probably the other hobby is that I love watching TV. <laughs> but mostly like on the cable ones, the ones that are a little bit more pushing the envelope. This question. Uh, this yeah. I've also gotten a lot of very different answers from people. Uh, yeah. What is the first thing you want to come into people's minds when they think of you? Perseverance. Okay. Just don't give up. Mm -hmm. You only lose when you quit. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Uh, now, what's the very last thing you want people to think of when they think of you? So... 
the one thing that I, I hope never, no one ever thinks about me is that I'm full of it. Um, everything I say, I wholeheartedly believe in everything I do and all of the things that I'm telling people are the truth. And it's, it's, it's important to me because it, you know, it's kind of a wild story. And so, you know, um, that I'm full of it and that I don't actually feel the way about these things that I do. I do a hundred percent. Um, this is, I think why, you know, when things got better and when things, there are moments where I'm, where I look back and I'm like, I probably shouldn't have made it through that. I probably should probably be dead in some situations. Um, I think I'm like, okay, well, I'm not now figure out why. And I think um, that informs me a lot more is that I, I think I'm beginning to find the why. And um, it is honest because there are bigger things in my head right now than what might be assumed. So that, that I'm full of it. Because it's uh, fortunately, unfortunately, it's all, it's all 100% legit. I'm the worst liar in the entire world. <laughs> you know, you know something, uh, first of all, I'm, I'm, I think I'm preoccupied with being authentic with people, you know, yeah. because once I came out, the way, the burden of, of, uh, you know, thinking that I was just carrying this, du- this dual, uh, this secret identity thing, which, you know, all my friends yeah. are like, really, really, you're gay? Well, what a surprise. But, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, some people, you know, d- didn't know. And, but, but I mean, just having to just, j- just take that weight off your shoulder. I, I, I and I'm not somebody who, who wants to give up too much information. I'm not going to go into violent, copious detail about my life, but I, Detest the idea of uh, of not being honest about about, about myself, you, you know. So because that's the whole point of being out is is to live your life, you know, authentically and to be honest. So, um, and it's so much freer. It's 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 it makes life so much more buoyant and easy to, to do. Now it's just taking that first step sometimes to like own something. It's hard. That's the hardest part. I always tell anybody that comes into to meet with me or anybody that comes to like the hardest part is the first step. Once that's done, it's all starts just rolling. Yeah. <laughs> Responsibility and say and most people. Another thing too. One of those things I was saying, but without without being um without asking for help and not being adult is for some reason i i and i've I've had so many guys who are parents tell me this ago yep it's so difficult for people to say i'm sorry Mm, yeah 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 say you're sorry get it over with what you do you realize how wrong you are most of the time things (laughs) happen i'm not right about everything i have to apologize a lot (laughs) i made a mistake when you get into a relationship where you're like okay I'm going to acknowledge the fact right now that I am wrong <laughs> and stuff. And so, yeah, I hundred percent yeah. thing so, and then apologize. I'm like, I'm sorry. I was pushing a point that was not realistic. What is your Zen? I think it's, it's baking and plants. <laughs> like when I start, like there's so many plants in my apartment and I love it. I love like taking care of them and, um, you know, watering and taking time, repotting, things like that. Every day, every weekend when I have a day that I'm not quite so focused on the practice, which I always am, but um, when I have some time to breathe, it's like I take, I go to all my plants, I water them, make sure they're all good. This one's getting big. It's like, oh, yeah, repotting time. We got my soil and stuff like that. And then baking. Like if I start getting stressed out, I go, I got to make something and I'll get up and my partner's like, yes. Because it means like something's <laughs> something's on its way, but I, yeah, those two things I get very zen from them. In what direction do you believe your life is headed? Up. Oh. <laughs> oh, <very good. laughs> um, I'm being literal. Uh, 
Actually, that's probably that's figurative. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, if you had asked me a year ago, I would say something very different. Um, I think a year ago, I thought I had found like, okay, this is, you know, I'd gotten successful in my last job and I had, you know, things got, you know, level and calm. And I'm like, okay, well, this is what life is. This is the end of it. This is what I make. This is what I do. This is my part. And then when I decided to make this leap and start doing something completely different, it's, it's scary because, you know, you're completely changing your world, but at the same time, it opened up for me possibilities that were not there when I was comfortable. And so not being comfortable is I think something I seek uh, because I think on the other side of it is, is where a lot of the great things are, where it's, you know, getting past fear on the other side of it is something really great. And so I honestly don't know, but I do know that it's going to be something exceptional um, because I just, I don't know. I just feel it. And because I care so much about what I do and because I, I, I am, I do consider myself a very hard worker. I think that's where it's headed. And then of course there's ups and downs. Like there's no, there's no question of that, but I feel like my life is headed into both being successful, having the life that I've dreamed of, but also um, getting to change my little part of the world that I can. Hopefully that's, that's the goal. So, yeah, that's that's, that's great. Um, you know, the, I've I've always felt, and I got involved because I I wanted to be part of something that was bigger than me, and it was better than me, and um, the the, uh, the extra dimension and everything that, that that changes your life profoundly. I think it, yeah. you know, <clears throat> should just uh, uh, stop um, living in one. Well, I guess I guess one dimension. I guess it's a different dimension. You just add another facet, and all of a sudden, you're like, like, "Wow, this is a world I didn't even know was possible." <laughs> exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, so, uh, what is your quest? The thing you must do at one point in your life, above all else. Yeah, other than the very kind of abstract things I've been talking about in terms of building a successful practice and 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 economic empowerment for, you know, success and, and professionals that aren't um, acknowledged. I think there's a lot of assumptive um, thoughts about working with professionals in the LGBT community and uh, Q plus community and, um, and, you know, being able to move in and, uh, you know, work with that and, uh, and just build something really powerful because by doing that, I can then also, layer that with being able to help things that are more in need that will be something I can be more philanthropic towards. I think one of the biggest things though, um, the, one of the, I think flags that will say, okay, you've hit something you really cared about is when I buy a home. Um, my partner and I really want to buy a home upstate in the, in the trees and the nature and stuff like that. And I think buying a home is going to be really powerful because it's the complete opposite of where this started and to be able to say now i have a home i mean i rent an apartment it's a nice apartment but having to be able to say i own a home now and didn't have a home at all before um i think will be a big uh point that's a quest in my life and hopefully it'll be happening soon as so i'll have to reevaluate and do the next one 
But it's always that thing. Like I keep going like, okay, the next flag point is this. And the next flag point is this. How big is my um, you know, practice going to become? Am I going to be able to bring in advisors that are I can teach the same thought processes that I'm doing and help grow this even bigger with them? And so, yeah, I'd say that. I think that answers the question. I hope that answers the question. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, this is a good question, too. And uh, it's surprising how many people will tell me. Um, what's your favorite color and why? Green. Um, I love the color green. Uh, I think it, it kind of ties into the whole nature thing. And also, um, redheads look good in green. <laughs> so <laughs> that's been the first part. But yeah, I like the color green. I think it just, uh, I think like when I'm around it, like in nature and stuff like that, it just, it just, uh, it just feels great to be kind of like wrapped around in these like green leaves and all that and plants and how I, you know, fiddle with those. Yeah. Green. I, um, green's my favorite color too, and I always ah, think, nice. <laughs> I, I always think it's very mystical. So, um, tell me about your relationship with the animal kingdom. Okay, so I love this question because I I absolutely love animals. Like, I if I could, you know, like have a, a reserve with all of them, <laughs> I absolutely love them. Um, probably love them more than people. But <laughs> <laughs> kidding. Um, but I think uh, my favorite animal is the giraffe. I, uh, uh, I, love, I love giraffes. I think they're so cool. They're so calm, but they're also so strong. And I always love those moments on uh, like the animal uh, channels and watching uh, nature shows. We always watch them. And then there's that moment where, you know, the tiger pack goes after the giraffe, but the giraffe beats them up. And I love that. <laughs> I think that's amazing. Um, and I also have a cat. I have the coolest cat and she's the weirdest cat. Um, she meets me at the door when I come home like a dog. I have to hold her like a baby or she yells at me. It's just, she talks, she just walks around and she flops on, like says rub my belly. She's like, I don't know what she is, but she's in the form of a cat, but there's something else going on there. Like Aww. if you come to my apartment, she'll be in your lap in a second. We had um, our, my, my, I call my sweet pally boy. He, mm -hmm. uh, he left us last August. He was 17. And we had him since he was a kitten. So uh, absolutely in love. We're, we're both cat lovers. We're both animal lovers. I'm in love with dogs now. I have to stop and say hello to every doggy on the street. Nice. <laughs> and uh, when I was, uh, uh, it was young, I went to Fordham University. And I lived uh, off campus about three blocks from the Bronx Zoo. Yeah. And Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, it was free. So I would go to the Bronx Zoo. And on the Southern Boulevard side, you'd walk in and they had a, a, an enclosure and giraffes would be there all the time. Giraffes walk right over to me. That's and, so you know, I the fact that they're silent, you know, they walk up to you and they're just so cool. They lope that, that motion yeah. and, they walk, and they'll lower their giant neck down to look right at you. And, yeah. and it's just and like you see like the power that's in there. Like they're so like you would un, unassuming, but when they come closer, like a big muscle they're huge and i, and I love beautiful. it i just love them they're so sweet <laughs> yes they are and i think they have black yeah. tongues is that is that a, a black tongue or a blue tongue it's something interesting about them it sort of yeah. goes oh well what do you know my personal experience is is, is just that's a fantastic uh thing yeah. to you get lost yeah <laughs> you know um so um how do you know when you have connected with somebody when i make them laugh very good Okay. 
That's the first, that's the most concise answer. Okay, very good. <laughs> the second someone laughs, uh, we've connected. Yeah. That's good. That's awesome. When someone laughs, like even, even in my, uh, in my practice, because a lot of times when I meet with somebody, there's a lot of pre pre baggage that comes with that, either from people that they've met before or their relationship to whether, you know, different elements of finance, like insurance, things like that. There are people that don't necessarily behave in, in my opinion, in an ethical way. But um, the second I make them laugh, I see the, the wall drop and they're comfortable. And I'm like, good, because this is a safe space. Like you, this, if there's anything that's happened before, throw it out the window. Um, I'm, I'm very different in a lot of ca cases. But yeah, when I make someone laugh just in general, it just means like, ah, you get me. Let's go. <laughs> very good. That's, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I've had people give me a lot of roundabout answers, so that that's that's very, oh, really? yeah. very cogent. One sentence when I make them laugh. <laughs> awesome. And um, I think we may have discussed this, but uh, what's your favorite weather? I um, right like right now autumn. I love autumn. Um, I love going into October, the like smell of the air, and we're getting closer to Halloween. And I do love winter. Um, uh, and so I love all of it. Summer's not really my jam, which is, uh, I think, uh, I'm not in the majority on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love fall. I love like the way the air feels like, and like when I leave my apartment, like I, so I live right, um, the block south of the 9-11 Memorial and I walk through those trees and that Memorial as I go to the subway and they're changing colors and the, the air is crisp. I love it. Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, I love the fall. Uh, surprisingly, most of the people who I have interviewed um, tell me they like the fall, but some people ardently love the summer. And yeah. <laughs> I, 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 people say, people think I'm crazy because I like the winter, unless it's absolutely yeah. frigid. I, I, I still like the weather. I, I winter, I summer, the fall snow. and winter. Yeah. I, prefer. I um, love snow. I think it's partially also where I'm from, like being from Buffalo. When, when <laughs> winter hits, it's blizzards. And so, uh, yeah, and I like that. There's something fun about over, like, climbing. I don't know. I like it. <laughs> everybody I know from Buffalo makes fun of everybody complaining about three inches of snow. Oh, I know. I'm like, this is not snow. This is not winter. <laughs> Yeah, totally. You can't see the windows in front of your house. You, know. you have to climb out a window or open yeah. in your car on the highway. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that. My sister lives in New Hampshire, so I know it's, it's something sort of like that. But I mean, you know, yeah. nothing like Buffalo. Buffalo is a different kind <laughs> of winter altogether. And um, yeah, that's, that's uh, really funny.
<laughs> so uh, I got to a final question. Uh, and this is something that uh, uh, people have wrestled with, and they've given me very, very different answers. So um, uh, this is this is the, the capstone, I would imagine, to a lot of people. Um, uh, the question is the threshold. Uh, how did you know when you arrived there? And the threshold is obviously before you get there. It's it's something. The point of no going back, and that's when you know there's no going back, and you've arrived someplace, and you can't just go back to where you were. Nothing is. Nothing is ever going to be the same. So how did you know when you arrived there? How did it feel to cross it? What was the significance to you? Uh, what did you leave behind? What are you glad you left behind? And what do you regret leaving behind? And we go through that again if you need. Oh, yes, this is a good question. Um, and I, <clears throat> I would say the threshold um, was probably when I managed to put a year together of sobriety. I think when you cross the year mark, you start to see that now it's you've gotten habits. Now it's it's a strengthened program. And there is no, you can say in your head that there is no turning back. There is no looking back on that life. I do not ever want that again. And you do leave behind, you leave behind people. Um, some that you care a lot about and but it's unhealthy to be with them and you have to say goodbye to them and you have to say goodbye to a certain way of life that at that time was filling a hole that was empty in you that in me i should say that i can only speak to myself um was filling a hole in me that now needs to be filled by something else and you i can't turn back to those tools i have to create new ones um of coping and building and thriving and not just surviving but thriving in life and so i think crossing the year threshold it's also when i got my first sponsee um and now being responsible to make sure that i'm a good example for him is also something that keeps me sober and i think right at that point was when i got a job again um and then i moved out of you know go like i was saying shelter to public housing and um, being able to then stand on my own two feet, I knew that life now was never going to look the way it did then or before it happened, before I st picked up um, um, drugs and alcohol, before I did that, it's never going to look like that either. That life is gone as well. Some of those people are gone um, and some don't understand and can't understand, which is totally fine. It's it's I have to meet people in the middle when it comes to making amends or things like that. Um, but my life is very, very different and very new and full of different people that weren't there before. And so I think that's the threshold that I I passed. I also feel like I still have one to do again. And so that I think time will tell. What did I miss in that question? Did I miss anything? Uh, what, uh, what, uh, what are you glad that you left behind? Um, I'm glad I left behind beyond the people that were dangerous and toxic to be around. I'm glad I left behind the vision I had of myself at that time and how I felt about who I was and the, the constant thinking that I'm not good enough, I'm, I'm this, I'm that, being able to walk out of that and say, I have a different perspective now on who Matt is. 
And I think about a lot of that is overcoming so many things and being able to, and I'm still working on this. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm, I have to work on this every day. Um, being able to say, you deserve this, you are enough and you do not deserve bad things happening to you. You deserve everything you can find in life. And so trust that that can happen, that happiness is something you deserve. So I think, um, yeah, that. Okay. That's, that's, that's pretty spectacular. I I must say this has been an extraordinary interview. Uh, This has been great. I've, I've loved being able to talk about this. This is great. Um, I'm just, you're up in the pantheon, you know, um, some of the, uh, other, other guests I've had have had, uh, um, startling things to say, or just, uh, extraordinary tales. Uh, and you have, you have uh, up there, just, it's amazing. It's, 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 and I, you're making me realize how lucky and, um, how, how you really dumb luck I, I, I've had because of your, your, your struggle and, and how, what you overcome. And, um, and, uh, you know, um, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's inspiring to listen to, to you tell your, your story. Uh, and I thank you very much, uh, for the time you spent and, uh, for, for, uh, t- being so uh, forthright with your, your, your story about yourself. And as I say, everyone has a story to tell and everybody has, is far more interesting, but this is far more interesting than, than, than I imagined. I didn't think it was going to be anything. <laughs> Engaging is, is compelling. So, I get that a lot. <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually before we say say goodbye, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the disclaimer. Yep. So this is uh, one thing that has to be said because of my being in finance and because I um, would love to uh, have people reach out to me and things like that via email. And so we have a compliance rules. So thank you for reading this. <laughs> also, uh, um, your um, your email address again is. Um, oh, it's Matthew, M-A-T-T-H-E-W dot Erickson, E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N at N as in Nancy, M as in Mary dot com. Very good. So uh, that being said, uh, Northwestern Mutual is the marketing name for the Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, Northwestern Mutual, and its subsidiaries. Matthew Erickson is an insurance agent of Northwestern Mutual. Uh, uh, this, this disclosure is being recommended under the assumption that Matthew will be introduced as a financial representative of Northwestern Mutual. Boom. <laughs> well, thanks again, Matt. And as I'm going to end off, as I say with everybody, uh, thanks for listening. And as the kitties say, peace out. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> peace out. <laughs> Thank you.